If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me then to our sermon text for today, which is uh, found in Genesis chapter 30, verse 25 through 31, verse 16. Just going to ignore that chapter division and press on. Previous to this, we saw that Leah and Rachel uh, desired their husband and to bear children. And uh, unfortunately, because there were two wives, this led to contention and uh, rivalry between the two of them. I mentioned that this is an echo of Genesis 2 through 3, uh, where these two things, the desire for one's husband and to bear children, uh, front and center for the very first woman. And so like Adam, Jacob, we find in this passage, seeks to earn their bread by the sweat of his face. Uh, In this case, exercising dominion over the sheep and the goats. Last time we saw how God blessed Jacob's household with many children. But would he also provide for them by blessing Jacob's labor? So that's what we come to today. Genesis 30, starting in verse 25. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. 
whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock, that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly, and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys." Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages seven times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, The spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, The striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. O Lord God, we thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for revealing your ways to us in your word. We pray that you would teach and instruct us and lay these things upon our hearts, that we might be assured of them, and that we might uh, therefore live in the light of your promises and your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time we saw uh, the, or previously we saw the treachery of Laban in uh, switching the uh, his daughters when it came to Jacob to be married, how he tricked Jacob into serving another seven years. And we find some more treachery Uh, on Laban's parts, where he seeks to defraud Jacob of his wages for his care for the sheep. But despite this uh, oppression of Laban, Jacob persevered, he endured, we might say he wrestled, and he did not give up. As later would be said, he strove with men and would prevail by God's grace. As Jacob recognized, the Lord had been with Jacob and had kept him in accord with his promises. In this passage, we find at the end of chapter 30, in verses 25 through 36, there's an agreement made. And at the end of that 
part, we see that Laban, after making the agreement, takes away the sheep that were to be Jacob's wage, so that uh, Jacob would not have any. But then we find in verses 37 through 43 that Jacob labors, and his labors are blessed, and he ends up with great riches of sheep and goats. The flocks are composed of sheep and goats, and he ends up with other forms of wealth as well, because then he's probably able to trade the sheep and goats for the camels and the donkeys, and so he ends up being very wealthy. And then at the beginning of chapter 31, in verses 1 through 13, we find that, the, that God's hand behind this is revealed, and that uh, a, a vision had been revealed to Jacob, and that Jacob relays this to his wives and convinces them uh, to leave. And uh, in the final verses, the, uh, Leah and Rachel resolve to, to go and, then, and urge him to do what the Lord had told him to do. Next week, we'll find them leaving and what happens after that point, but this is more than enough for us today. Uh, we find that the flocks of Jacob increase and they increase by the hand of God. First, we find that the Lord restrains and judges those who oppresses his people. Secondly, we find that the Lord preserves and blesses his people, delivering them from oppression. And thirdly, that the Lord calls his people to follow him by faith and to pay their vows. So first, the Lord restrains and judges those who oppress his people. All of this, we'll find, is in accord with his character and in accord with his promises. Now, Laban recognized that the Lord had blessed him because of Jacob. Uh, He had learned this in an illegitimate way through divination. Not supposed to practice that, but uh, nevertheless, what he found out was true, and Jacob affirmed it as well. And we can see this in the light of God's promises, too, that already the offspring of Abraham, the offspring of Isaac, was being a blessing to the peoples. Uh, In this case, a blessing to Laban's household, that he had had little, and now that Jacob had been there for 14 years, he had much, and Laban had grown rich uh, through the blessing of the Lord on account of Jacob's presence and labors among them. To both Laban and Jacob understand why Laban had been blessed, but Laban makes the wrong use of the fact. Uh, he, He knows the truth, but he doesn't use the truth rightly. Uh, he instead tries to keep Jacob like the goose that laid the golden egg. The longer he can keep him there, the richer he shall be. And he then seeks to defraud Jacob of his wages, and that way keep him from leaving. He wanted to get the most out of Jacob and not lose any of it to Jacob. Now, the deal was that Laban agreed to it, Jacob agreed to it, Laban agreed to give Jacob the oddly colored sheep as his wages for additional service. Jacob would serve six more years. We learned that it was six more years in a following passage, but that he would continue to serve and care for the flocks of Laban, and in exchange he'd be given all the oddly colored sheep and goats. You know, the sheep were usually white, I think the goats were usually black, but the ones that are spotted and mottled and striped, or simply the wrong color, the the color that they aren't usually, uh, would be given to Jacob, uh, which would not be the majority of the sheep, but, you know, the ones, the black sheep, we might say, um, would be given to Jacob. But the scheme comes in where Laban then takes away all the oddly colored sheep, and he takes them far away from Jacob 
so that all the sheep that Jacob are left with uh, are the ones that would belong to Laban. And, of course, they understood that, you know, sheep tended to produce sheep that looked like them. Uh, and so he would still be left, presumably, without his wages. They would put the oddly colored sheep at a three days distance away, separated them from him. Laban apparently went off with his sons because he leaves Jacob behind with the rest of the flocks. Jacob wouldn't be able to claim anything, and he would be bound by this agreement. Uh, the agreement had been made, um, and it would be indisputable. It was almost like the sheep were branded. You know, it was clear whose was whose. So Laban sought to turn a provision that was designed to ensure Jacob's honesty uh, to deprive Jacob of his wages. But then the tables turn. Laban gets trapped by his own scheme. He sought to deprive Jacob of his wages, but this actually gave Jacob opportunity to increase and lay indisputable claim to abundant flocks for Laban's expense. First of all, Laban's not there overseeing what Jacob is doing in the flocks. And then it turns out that the flocks produce the type of sheep that would belong to Jacob. God ensures that this deal works in Jacob's favor. We find, of course, in the next chapter that God is the one who had made the sheep bear in this way, that even if Laban tried to wiggle out of it and say, oh, it's not the striped, it's just the spotted, that's what the sheep would produce. It still worked in Jacob's favor at Laban's expense. We can think of psalms that describe this sort of thing. Psalm 7, he makes a pit digging it out and falls into the hole he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. Or Psalm 9, the nations have sunk into the pit they have made, into the knit they have hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Here, Laban is ensnared. He can't claim the sheep that are the ones that he promised to give to Jacob. It's indisputable. They're striped. They're spotted. Interestingly, Laban means white. Uh, So there might be some play on words here on the white sticks that produce white stripes on the black goats and uh, end up being taken away from him. And the white sheep being the ones that belong to him. So God saw what Laban was doing to Jacob, as he will later see what the Egyptians were doing to Israel. Same phrase is used there. He saw what Laban was doing to Jacob, and so he took away the livestock from Laban, not all of them, but, you know, a large amount, and gave them to Jacob. Jacob was left with some sheep, but inferior flocks. And then uh, Laban lost Jacob and Jacob's household as they escaped with their possessions. We'll find out later he even lost his household gods, which he had probably used to practice divination. Uh, Later, Pharaoh would harden his heart against Israel and would only continue to do so when he was asked to stop, and yet he would likewise lose everything, lose his slaves, and and then they plundered Egypt as they left, and so Laban would suffer for his oppression of Jacob. Now, he restrained Laban from harming Jacob, and he judged him in favor of Jacob. God did this in accord with his character, because God is just, and God is compassionate. God saw what was happening, and he acted. He also did this in accord with his covenant promise. He had promised Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, 
and him who dishonors you I will curse. This blessing of Abraham had been given to Jacob. Isaac had blessed Jacob, saying, Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. God aligned himself with his people. He would be their champion, their ally, and come to their aid. Jacob had been left without anyone to help him. His own kinsman, who was supposed to stand up for him, was the one turning against him. But the Lord would be his redeemer, his kinsman. So we can learn from this first point, first of all, to not oppress or defraud others. This is a warning. First of all, give to each person what is due them, and do so promptly. Remember, we looked at last time, Exodus 22, where God warns his people not to take that cloak from your neighbor and pledge, when that's all that's left him, because he might cry out to God, and God is compassionate, and he might hear. And that's not good for you if you're the one afflicting them. We learned also in James 5, which was read earlier, about the miseries that were coming upon those who are rich, who are misusing their wealth and defrauding their workers. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. God hears, God acts, and you don't want to be provoking his justice. So be just with everyone. God cares for for all. But be especially careful that you do not oppress or persecute his people who are the apple of his eye. And he has made covenant promises to protect them. For they have a covenant with God and he, he has pledged to be their protector. So bless the Lord and his people as well. Secondly, learn to be patient and to persevere, knowing that God sees all the unjust schemes of man, and he is able to turn the tables upon them. Does he seem to prosper, the wicked man? Does he seem to get away with everything? Do you see people practice treachery or deceit and fraud? Do you see them take advantage of the weak? Have you been the victim of such things? Remember Laban, who got away with his manipulation and his treachery for a time, but not forever. Certainly the civil government is instituted to rectify these situations, but sometimes people escape, even on earth, uh, from the hand of man. But God sees all things, and he is judge. The Lord is king. He may delay, but he will judge. He comes to judge the earth. He does so in time and history. The wicked do not prosper forever, but especially in all the more after death, the wicked stand in slippery places. It's better to suffer innocently for a time than to prosper for a time and to store up judgment to come. So we can also learn to not trust in oppression, to not trust in the power of extortion or in fraud. As Psalm 62.10 says, Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Laban thought he was going to get away. He had the power in the situation. It was his homeland. He had the power. He had been able to manipulate his daughters and his son-in-law. But he ended up losing much. Instead, trust in the Lord. For he is a strong redeemer. He is a powerful ally and champion. And judge, 
Do you can see how he treats those who oppress his people Israel? How he rebukes kings on their account? How he judges in their favor in time? Even those who God used to afflict his people, such as Babylon, when they judged Israel and destroyed the temple because they deserved it, yet he would come to Babylon later on and judge them for their wicked deeds. The Lord Jesus has come as your prophet, your priest, and king. And as your king, the Lord Jesus restrains and conquers all his and your enemies. He is your protector. So trust in the Lord. Secondly, we learn that the Lord preserves and blesses his people, delivering them from oppression. This is the other side of the coin. Not only does uh, he judge those who oppress them, but he also uh, blesses his people. And again, this is in accord with his character and his promise. The Lord saw what Laban was doing to Jacob, and so he acts in judgment against Laban in favor of Jacob. He fulfills his promise to be with Jacob and to keep him wherever he goes. He preserved him from harm. He abundantly provided for him. He delivered him from oppression. Jacob had prayed in his vow for bread to eat and clothing to wear. It's kind of like the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread just for a competent portion of the things of this life. And yet, what did God give him? God gave him abundant wealth and flocks and herds and servants. Uh, Despite his humiliation, his affliction, uh, God had brought him forth with abundance. Sometimes, and it's not saying that every person is going to be as wealthy as Jacob, but uh, the Lord is good to him and demonstrates his compassion and his faithfulness. Jacob had made the deal with Laban so he could provide for his household and depart. And so he continued to work for Laban for additional six years to earn this capital, this uh, wealth, so he could provide for his household. Uh, His discolored flocks would be Jacob's wages for his work. It would not be a gift. It was earned. And he said, you should not give me anything. I'm going to earn it. This is going to be wages for the work that I'm going to do. That way there would be no strings attached. He would be able to leave. He wouldn't have some debt of gratitude that he would have to stay and repay. He wanted to go back and return. After all, he was belonged in the promised land. This is similar to how Abraham uh, did not want to be in debt to the king of Sodom, uh, that he returned the goods of Sodom to the king of Sodom, did not want to be connected with him. Or when he bought the land from the Hittites, he didn't want to receive it as a gift. He wanted to make a fair purchase with the people of the land. And so Jacob wanted to make a clear deal to earn his wages and to move on from Laban. And he would be able to plead his honesty and his justice later on before his wives and before Laban himself with success. Now Jacob worked to provide for his household by seeking to breed oddly colored sheep and goats that were strong. Uh, He operated within this deal to provide his wages for his work for Laban. Now, the method he used seems odd to us, probably, right? Uh, You take sticks and you make white stripes by stripping off some of the bark and then put the sticks in front of the sheep as they breed so that they produce sheep that look like the rods, you know, striped and spotted. That's not something we do today. Uh, What is going on there? Well, Jacob was using the science of his day, Uh, was the understanding, probably at the time, and we only know so much about uh, that era, but it has been a a common thought for a long time, and 
that, uh, as one commentator put it, behind this plan was the common belief that a vivid sight during conception or pregnancy would leave its mark on the embryo. Uh, that, you know, what the mother saw during the conception would impact what the child looks like. In fact, there was still a common belief through at least the 1600s. So, you know, old commentators will, uh, you know, accept that as, as a practice. You know, that's what the medical doctors in Wittenberg were teaching when Luther was writing his commentary. But that's not what people know today. We know more about uh, genetics and how that works. But Jacob went forth trying to produce his wages, and his success was remarkable. Even by the science of the day, uh, that would be a remarkable success that that he meets with, a a miraculous success um, that no matter what Laban says, spotted, oh, everything's spotted, uh, striped, 100%. uh, All that he uh, seeks to gain is received. So while the breeding was going on, Jacob sought a vision and learned the true source of his success. God had seen Jacob's affliction, and God had come to his aid. God had intervened to ensure that the flocks would produce in Jacob's favor. In the vision, the sticks don't even play a role at all. It's the the male goats were already striped and spotted, not on the outside, but uh, in the vision they were, that God was providing the sheep that would belong to to Jacob. The Bible does not make a scientific claim about that common belief of that day, whether it was true or false, simply describes what Jacob was doing. The Bible's point is that God supernaturally blessed Jacob's efforts and intervened to produce the sheep that would belong to him. Jacob worked for his wages by tending the flocks, but God not only gave him wages, but a full restitution. This success was the justice and compassion of God at work. As God had seen Leah's affliction in the previous portion, had seen how she was afflicted, how she was hated, and therefore had compassion upon her and blessed her, making her the mother of many children. And so he saw Jacob's affliction here, Jacob being afflicted by his father-in-law. The Lord saw this and acted and increased his flocks, and multiplied. He saw what Laban was doing to him, and so he gave the sheep to Jacob. And so Jacob providentially plundered Laban, just like Israel would later plunder the Egyptians on their way out. This had already been promised in Genesis 15. This was already something that Jacob might have known would happen in time, because in Genesis 15, God had told Abraham, and I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. And of course, we saw in more detail in Exodus 3 uh, how God said this would happen. He would give them favor in the sight of the Egyptians, probably so terrified that they wanted the Israelites to leave, and so were willing to give them whatever they asked for, their gold and their silver. And so Israel left enriched uh, for that time of servitude in Egypt. In both cases, God provided for his people at the expense of those who oppressed them. So God gave... Jacob, the blessing of Abraham, protected him, blessed him. He had foiled the schemes of Laban. And God blessed Jacob not only with the fruit of the womb, but also the fruit of his livestock and the increase of his flocks. We learn from this passage to, again, endure patiently, uh, to press on in one's labor and one's calling. Remember Jacob's suffering and patience and how the Lord cared for him. 
You have seen the purpose of the Lord, not only in Job's life, as James points out, but also in Jacob's. What is his purpose? You've seen how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's not callous to your suffering. Uh, He sees and he knows and he lays it to heart and he helps his people. So be patient and continue to press on with diligence in your calling. Trust in the compassion and faithfulness of God, the power that he has who is able to overcome the skeevils of those who are doing evil. Is anyone among you suffering? James says, let him pray. Turn to the Lord, who is more powerful than any. As Jesus said, will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? God will be more merciful than the judge that is besieged by the widow, seeking uh, justice in her case in the Lord's parable. Call upon the Lord, who is merciful and powerful. Jesus is able to sympathize with your weakness, and he is also enthroned in power and glory, and he rides forth to victory and will bring justice to victory. He slays beasts, he tramples dragons beneath his feet, all those who seek to destroy his people, those who wage war against the woman and her offspring. He guides his people as a good shepherd. He is the shepherd of his sheep. We'll learn about that in the evening. We're talking about Jesus as the good shepherd. Jacob was one of the sheep of the Lord, and the Lord was caring for him. The Lord will not cast down his people forever. In time, he will attend to their affliction and raise them up. The Lord will care for his people, both in this age and in the age to come. If God feeds the birds and clothes the grass, will he also not feed and clothe his children? How much more will he enrich them with every spiritual blessing, and in the end, eternal life? We might also see in this account something of a type of Christ. The devil schemed against Christ. The devil moved the nations to kill him. But God overturned the schemes of the evil one, caught him in his own trap, turned that death into victory, so that Jesus rose triumphant. And what did he do? Once he had bound the strong man, he plundered his kingdom. He led forth a host of captives, as he is doing today. And he gives gifts to men, as he enriches his church. We are the flock of Jesus, delivered from the domain of darkness. So lastly, we come to our third point. The Lord calls his people to follow him by faith and to pay their vows. Jacob was reminded by the vision of the Lord who had appeared to him, the vision and the vow at Bethel. It was time for him to return. God had promised to bring him back, and the time had come. He calls Jacob to exercise his faith to follow the Lord and return to Canaan. The Lord's call to Jacob to leave the land is an echo of an earlier call, right? God had found Abraham beyond the river and told him to follow the Lord and to look for the inheritance that the Lord would provide, and Abraham followed Of course, things are a little different now. The land of Jacob's fathers and kindred is the one he's supposed to go to, is the land of Canaan. Uh, But he still would have to pick up stakes, set out from his household that he had been living with, and journey back to the unknown, where Esau still lived. But he would trust the Lord for the inheritance. His mother, Rebekah, had done the same thing, had left Haran, that same household with Laban, and had journeyed willingly to the promised land, 
And now it would be time for Jacob. Jacob also speaks with his wives and persuades them to follow him willingly. Later, Laban will claim that he drove them like captives by the sword, but no, they go willingly. Uh, They uh, are ready to leave Laban, just as Israel would listen to Moses and uh, go depart out of the land of Egypt. They resented their ill treatment at the hands of their father, uh, who had not given them their share in the engagement present. They side with Jacob. Now, notice also Jacob communicates with his wives before making this move. Uh, He conveys to them the word of God. He persuades them of the rightness of this action. He makes sure that they are with him. Uh, He is leading them. Uh, Husbands should lead their households in the way of the Lord. Uh, Should communicate with their households the way of the Lord. To do so by teaching the word of God. Persuading the whole household to embrace it and not simply to conform to it. There's an exercise, certainly, of authority and making decisions that need to be made, but also instruction. Uh, Speaking of the Word of God throughout the day, in times of family worship, the use of persuasion, as the author of Proverbs so often does, as well as example. So here Jacob begins to lead his household that they might return. So from this final aspect of the passage, the return to the land, the call to, uh, to follow the Lord, all of you, male and female, young and old, must resolve to follow the Lord, to answer His call, to trust His character and His promise. Now, you don't have to leave home and journey to Canaan, the place in uh, the Middle East, Your call, the way you answer it looks a little different, but you have a call to be ready to lose all for the sake of gaining Christ, to love Him more than anything and anyone, to entrust yourself to Him for your salvation. Learn also that you ought not to pay, ought not to forget to pay your vows. You must pay your vows. Jacob had made a vow uh, to return at, at worship the Lord at Bethel and to pay there a tenth. What when he has blessed you, do not fail to worship him and to give him thanks. What you have promised in your prayers, do not forget to pay. Do not fall from the Lord in the day of prosperity, now that he has blessed you, to then depart. Return to the house of God and worship him. So in this passage, we again find that the Lord is caring for Jacob, fulfilling his promises, and we are his children by faith. Uh, heirs of the same covenant that God has made with these forefathers. The Lord restrains and judges those who oppress his people. He preserves and blesses his people and delivers them. He calls you then to follow him by faith (coughs) and to pay your vows and to worship him. The Lord is compassionate and just and is faithful. To him be the glory forever. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for hearing our prayers, for seeing us and taking note, for being attentive to us and showing us compassion. We pray that you would continue to work on our behalf, that you would deliver us from the oppression of man, that you would overcome the work and forces of evil, that you would... Uh, deliver your church 
and to uh, bless its labors. We pray that you would provide for us the things needful for this life, and that you would also fill us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that we might go forth in endurance and be blessed according to your promise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.